Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We educate, we connect, we care. We're In Social Work. Hello. I'm your host, Luann Beck, and welcome to In Social Work. Given that social justice is a fundamental principle within the social work profession, there is an increasing need to heighten attention to homelessness within the curriculum and practice setting, expand homelessness research, and advance effective homeless interventions, services, and policies. In the second of a two-part podcast, our guests, Dr. Heather Larkin and Amanda Akanian, emphasize how social work research has informed best practices in homeless services and provide examples of current models and programs that are designed to prevent homelessness. Research pertaining to service and policy implications associated with mobility and the relationship between adverse childhood experiences or ACE scores and homelessness is discussed. They also highlight gaps in knowledge development, including the adoption of evidence-based practices in real-world settings. The episode concludes by describing how to become involved in the National Center for Excellence in Homeless Services benefits associated with being part of this important initiative, and future work that is needed to sustain and expand efforts to end homelessness. Heather Larkin, Ph.D., is an associate professor at the University at Albany and co-director of the National Center for Excellence in Homeless Services. Amanda Akanian, is a doctoral candidate at the University at Albany School of Social Welfare and serves as the National Center's Research and Project Lead. They were interviewed in April 2018 by Dr. Elizabeth Bowen, Assistant Professor here at the UB School of Social Work. And that, I think, brings us to the next question, which is one of the exciting things about, I think, being in the field of homelessness services and being a researcher is this is an area where we can see clear examples of research changing policy and practice and research informing practice. Uh, The huge shift in the field to housing first models, I think, is one example of that. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you see research informing best practices in homeless services? Sure. Well, I think Housing First is probably the best example of real advances in research within the homeless services world and how that has really influenced what we do. It's also a great example of a research area that has come predominantly out of social work research, which is nice, and quite a bit of the homelessness research that has become most prominent in the field of the last decade actually comes out of social work, which is which is lovely. Housing First is a great example of how a model can really proliferate both around a country, 
but also internationally, it's a, a model that is addressed or that, that is a, has been adopted in many countries. And something that offers real sort of evidence-supported intervention for a specific, you know, generally high need. So chronically homeless adults with co-occurring mental health substance use issues are are sort of the typical target population for a Housing First model. But what I like also about Housing First more generally is that it's also provides some evidence of some broader principles that can be useful in homeless services. So thinking about creating low barriers to program entry, low barriers to housing, and what are often referred to as high barriers to discharge. So in other words, making it really easy to get people into a program or get people into housing, but making it, it's really hard to get people, you know, discharged or kicked out of housing, making sure that your primary goal is keeping people housed and housing people as quickly as possible and not putting people through processes where they have to, you know, demonstrate housing readiness or demonstrate a commitment to a certain service plan or maintain sobriety or abstinence. All of those things have been, from a research perspective, things that were, you know, evidenced in, in research as part of the successful model and things that have been adopted through policy and other program implementation. Another example of a successful model, since you mentioned Dan Herman, is critical time intervention, which is a time-limited case management model model intended to prevent homelessness when people make big transitions, typically from sort of institutional settings to community-based settings, and that includes transitioning from shelter, for example, to a housing scenario, an apartment or home. It could also include transitioning from being incarcerated into the community. And the idea behind that model is that you prevent homelessness through a real sort of structured, time-limited case management approach. And that has been a model that's gained quite a bit of attention and has been applied to a variety of different populations, both adults and families, and is now something that's being integrated into rapid rehousing models, sort of adapted to that, that model of, of rehousing as well. There's a whole variety of research, smaller pockets, I think, that inform things that we do. So there's quite a bit of research around the social networks, for example, of homeless youth and how young people experiencing homelessness connect with their peers, how they communicate, how they share information, and how they are interconnected in their communities and how an understanding of that connection can be used to share information, for example, to reduce risk behaviors or to deliver more targeted intervention approaches. So there's a whole variety, I think, of, of research that that has the potential to inform what we do going forward. At the same time, I can't, I sort of always have two answers to this question. I think we have lots of research that we can be proud of and that has really answered a lot of questions and we know a lot about what works when it comes to homelessness. But at the same time, I think there's real needs around things like understanding how, you know, research around implementation science. So how you take a model like Housing First or a model like critical time intervention adopt it into a real world setting in a way that's scalable and understanding the sort of implementation and process components of, of doing that and being able to kind of understand from a sort of a program evaluation perspective what changes mean. So for example, if you're going to adapt or, or modify a model, what does that mean for outcomes? And if you're thinking about fidelity to a practice, how does variation in fidelity to a model affect outcomes? And I think there's, in general, a lack of research in that area that we could do, especially as social workers, really think about 
using research in that vein to promote scaling up best practices and really enhancing adoption of these models like a critical time intervention or like a housing first. That's my general position on, on research at this point. I think this is the perfect follow-up question to your question about engaging students more. You know, as Amanda was talking about, you know, students sort of seeing that services are kind of acting like they're managing people experiencing homelessness and really often not doing things in a very piecemeal way or just addressing basic needs and not thoroughly incorporating what we know about effective, comprehensive approaches to helping people, that one of the things that could help to change that would be through our increasing partnerships with leaders of homeless services agencies and policymakers, being able to, in a helpful, supportive way, share information, research, knowledge from the university into the community to support the translation into practice and, and institutionalize best practices into our policies, but also in that supportive, respectful way to learn about what questions the homeless services providers in our communities have and to really pay attention to innovative approaches that emerge and help to bring that practice to research as well. We continue to have some gaps in knowledge development around homelessness that I think may be tied to this issue of sort of breaking things out into categories and we need to figure out a way to do more comprehensive team-based kind of research across, maybe across disciplines more too and break down some of our silos to support the research on comprehensive homeless services provision as well. And developing these partnerships across schools, one of the ideas here is that we're also helping to connect researchers with one another, that we're able to engage in more of that collaborative work, and it all ties back to the importance of creating these partnerships with policymakers and program directors in our communities. Again, regardless of whether their degree is in social work, to find supportive information sharing, innovation exchange kind of alliances so that we can really help to enhance the effectiveness of homeless services, which would also in turn help to make this more interesting, I think, to students too, because it gives them a place where they can see and actually practice implementing things that they're learning across the board in their curriculum. So those are some of my thoughts about it, but I also want to say briefly that when I had first learned about the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences Research, it showed that accumulated adversities were related to, correlated with these later in life, not only mental health and substance abuse problems, but many other health risk behaviors and serious health problems. And what you saw from the original ACE study, this very large middle-class population was that people with higher ACE scores or more accumulated adversity at an earlier age, you started to see more multiple co-occurring problems. And I thought, isn't this interesting? Because in social work, we've always helped the people who are experiencing multiple co-occurring problems and accumulated adversities. And for example, if you looked at research on homelessness that had already been done, we already knew that people who are experiencing homelessness had more multiple co-occurring challenges. Anecdotally, you'll hear from people on the front lines that people have been through many adversities and traumas before the trauma of also experiencing homelessness, that really people experiencing homelessness are often incredible 
survivors. So my interest in extending the ACE research, particularly to looking around at ACE scores of people experiencing homelessness, was to be able to start a conversation about how we could sort of understand that part of what people were presenting with was these accumulated adversities and traumas, and that we need, this really called us to bring services together in a more comprehensive way and to move beyond some of those piecemeal approaches or kind of managing homelessness kind of approaches. And my thought too was that perhaps stigma would be reduced if we could raise awareness in society about the higher ACE scores among people experiencing homelessness. People might be less inclined to say things like, oh, why doesn't that person just get a job? I have a job and I work or something like that to realize, oh, wait, I'm somebody with an ACE score of zero or one talking about somebody who has an ACE score of eight or nine. Would I have even been able to survive what this person has gone through and what are the implications for how we effectively help people who are experiencing homelessness? And my other thought too was that, you know, the ACE research seemed to kind of serve an integrating function by showing that the accumulated adversities earlier on are correlated with these later in life problems that we often treat as separate issues. And homeless services are actually in a challenging position of helping people who are experiencing more co-occurring problems and in the worst situation to navigate a categorical system of care or a fragmented system of care. The ACE research could help to offer a shared language across systems, and it could help us to think in a more strength-based way about how incredibly resilient people have been and how do we create comprehensive programs that foster that resilience in the programs and in communities and raise awareness in society in general. Thank you, Heather, for sharing about your research and also for your point about the importance of collaborations and community partnerships. I've also very much found that to be the case. When I moved here to Buffalo a couple of years ago, I wasn't sure exactly what my research agenda was going to look like, but I quickly connected with one of my community partners here, the Homeless Alliance of Western New York, and it was really their staff who brought to my attention this question of what's going on uh, with young adults and are they receiving services in our area? So young people age 18 to 24 who are technically adults, but in many ways still developmentally going through the challenges of young adulthood, emerging adulthood, and does our current service system meet their needs? And it was really my community partners, the Homeless Alliance, that raised that question because they had a feeling that maybe this population was not being well served. And for me as a researcher, that was really a starting point into looking into that and doing some research here in Buffalo on that, and then also connecting with other researchers who are looking at similar problems or similar issues in their communities across the country and finding that there is some best practices, that there is some research and some literature on this. So I just think we can't, you know, speak to that enough, the importance of making sure our research questions are tied with our communities, that it's answering the questions that practitioners want to know. On the topic of research, Amanda, one of your research interests is geographic mobility of people experiencing homelessness. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Sure. I am interested in thinking about some of the service and policy implications associated with mobility or transience of people who are currently homeless. And there's there's a, a modest body of literature that looks at 
sort of describing mobility. So thinking about reasons people move from one place to another, frequency with which people move from one place to another, and sort of who is more likely to be more mobile. And, and typically mobility is thought of as kind of making large geographic moves. So crossing city or, or town lines, county lines, state lines, things like that. There's not a ton of research or really any significant amount of research that looks at sort of why this particular quality or characteristics of people experiencing homelessness should matter, you know, does matter or should matter in the context of service design and delivery and policy making. And so my research has really been kind of trying to unpack that that piece of it. So why as social workers do we care about mobility and what are the sort of implications of that when we think about designing and delivering services or advocating for policy change and and those sorts of things. So I did a small study in the capital region of New York talking to providers that specifically work with homeless service, that specifically work in homeless services and work with homeless youth and talking to them really about how they think about mobility among the youth that they serve, both in terms of how they just sort of perceive the behavior as, you know, is it positive, is it negative, what kinds of things contribute to it, what are the risks associated with it, and then more specifically around what it means to provide services to engage youth and to think about policy limitations or facilitators when working with youth who are highly mobile. And so that sort of started as a precursor to my dissertation research, which is going to be a broader version, essentially, of that. I'm doing a mixed method study using data from 21 counties in the north northeastern area of New York, looking at HMIS data and the way people experiencing homelessness in those counties use services. So essentially comparing folks who use services in a one geographic location versus people who use services across multiple counties. So basically people who's, who are service users in homeless service settings that are located in one county versus people who are have had a history of using services in multiple counties and kind of looking at those two groups. You know, how do those two groups, or how are those two groups similar or different from each other in terms of demographic and background characteristics, in terms of the kinds of services that they use and the patterns with which they use services. And then coupled with that, interviewing providers in those communities from both more rural counties and more urban counties. So none none of the the sort of capital region isn't super urban, but so the more sort of population dense counties and the less population dense counties. Talking to providers about some of those same themes from the first study. So what does it mean to work with highly mobile population? What does it mean when we're thinking about the capacity of services to to do outreach, to engage, to, to provide services? to individuals who are more mobile and what aspects of the service system or the broader policy landscape in a community contribute to mobility, both thinking about how service systems create mobility. Um, So for example, you know, referring someone from one county to another county for services or how policies or service systems might limit mobility. So are there policies, for example, that prevent someone from one county from receiving services in another county if they wanted to go to that county, for example, to be closer to friends and family. So that's the sort of like broad stroke of the research I'm doing right now around that topic. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing. I think this issue of mobility is kind of a hot topic now, especially 
On a national level, we're hearing a lot about how the West Coast is experiencing a real crisis in homelessness, and I think that's raised questions about mobility nationally, but also more locally. And just like you're saying, thinking about New York State, how we have counties especially upstate, where we have a lot of rural areas. We have mid-sized cities like Buffalo and Albany. We have smaller cities. We have suburban areas. And just how do people navigate that web of services geographically? And how does that affect their mobility? And ultimately, how does that affect other outcomes? That seems like a big question for the homeless services field and really important to have some research that looks at that. So Heather, could you tell us if a school's interested in becoming part of the National Center, how can they get involved? I mean, we would just love to engage anybody who's interested in becoming a partner of the National Center. What we've done with the support, first of our initial donor, and then over the past several years with the support of New York Community Trust, is we've been able to give our partners small stipends to participate in the initiative. Now, right now, we're in our fourth year with the New York Community Trust, and we're identifying, working with our partners to identify both nationally and regionally and locally a range of different ways to potentially sustain and expand the work. We figured we're not going to not start it because we have limited funds or don't know how what our next funding source is going to be. This is an important issue. We're going to start this. And we know other initiatives, such as initiatives in social work on aging and child welfare, had to start somewhere before they got significant funding later on. So we hope for that significant funding to further support our partners. And at this point, new partners, we would be engaging you based on the benefit of being part of the collaborative and what most people have said is that that has been of great value to them, regardless of whether they got that small stipend or not, because of the collaborative opportunities and the opportunity to work together as part of a national effort, feeling a sense of validation and support for their work that enhances their and strengthens their roles in their each university too. So I would love to hear from anybody who's interested in becoming a partner school, and we can work together on identifying funds to support that as we go along. Great. Thank you. So I think we're at our last question. Maybe you were speaking to this a bit, but what's next? What's on the horizon for the National Center? Well, I guess one piece might be, and Amanda can speak to this a little bit more too, is, you know, as we're sort of evolving with the grand challenges and kind of seeing what's going on there, what's going to work. We talked about that earlier of like this kind of the initiative and the grand challenges kind of developing at the same time and what's going to work best as we evolve and move forward. Those are things to kind of discover together. And then also, this is really important and has the potential to have a such a profound impact on our society and improve the overall health of our society if we could reduce and end homelessness and what other profession is going to take that on other than social work where we say right in our code of ethics that we prioritize we're called to prioritize the most vulnerable disadvantaged oppressed marginalized population groups we're the ones that need to do this and we're for it to work we need to do it together. And so we need some more resources and funding to support that. And so we're just going to keep carrying on and figuring out what works as we move forward and identifying our funders and supporting each other and our work. That will include next steps in sharing homelessness course class designs more and more um, across different schools, online content with one another. We're already doing so much in terms of sharing the syllabi we have and activities and exercises 
exercises, working together to build some of that knowledge we talked about and to advance next steps in research, being recognized as the workforce to take this on to help our policy leaders to achieve their goals to end homelessness too, to hopefully engage them in investing in our workforce, recognizing that we're really we have these aligned goals and we're key to helping applying our skills to help to achieve reductions and ending homelessness and continuing to collaborate with one another in developing partnerships with the policymakers and program leaders, community leaders, sharing innovations that we're learning about across the nation, maybe doing more research across universities as well. So these are all potential next steps. We can talk about sort of two sort of products that are on the horizon, at least from the National Center. One is that we are writing a textbook for homelessness in social work education with Springer Publishing that will be hopefully published this year. And that is designed for social work educators to use specifically at a sort of MSW level, but certainly has applicability at BSW level as well. And that will that includes 18 chapters that were led by faculty from our partner schools and in many cases co-authored by their colleagues, which include students as well as some community partners, so that we are at hard at work um, finalizing and preparing to to publish that this year. And then the other thing we were doing this year is collaborating with the Council on Social Work Education to develop a curricular guide for social work educators to teach about homelessness and housing insecurity. We assembled an advisory board of several faculty from our partner schools to inform this process. And if you're familiar with them, CSW has curricular guides right now on gerontological social work and economic well-being, and they're working on a variety of others, and this homelessness and housing insecurity is one of the ones that is currently in the works. We just had a kickoff meeting in person. We went down to CSWE for two days to start developing competency applications, so, that, so applying CSWE competencies to homelessness and housing insecurity work. So I think those are two examples of the broader goals Heather was talking about as far as strengthening social work education and sharing curricular tools and resources. The curricular guide specifically will have examples and reading examples as well as activities and syllabi examples. And the textbook will have discussion questions and activities to accompany each chapter. Both of those will be useful for education and curriculum strengthening. It's great to hear about those resources. And also, I think it's important that there is this momentum continuing from the National Center. To me, it seems we're at a point where there's a lot of promise in terms of where we're at with homelessness and in terms of promising practices and policies. And I think we actually have come a long way in terms of research, in terms of services, in terms of policy related to housing and homelessness. But we are at a point where it's still certainly a pressing issue where housing affordability is really at an extremely high, I would say, crisis level. That's a potential driver of homelessness. There's a lot of uncertainty, I think, in what is going to happen with the future of funding, especially government funding for supportive housing, for health care. So it just seems to me that there's opportunity and there's a, a need for social work leadership. So I think it's just so important that we have a group like the National Center that is there to keep that going and to lead 
social works role. So I think that's all for our questions today. Thank you both so much for sharing your time and your research and your experience and your perspectives. Is there anything that either of you uh, would like to say here in closing as we wrap up? I appreciate you doing the podcast. This was great. And uh, it was great talking with both of you too. I'll be curious if we hear from people following up from the podcast and maybe have some opportunities to do some next step podcasts in the future. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say thank you as well, Betsy, for your leadership in our regional network in, in New York and New Jersey, but also coming up with the idea to do this podcast. It was a great idea, I think. You've been listening to Dr. Heather Larkin and Amanda Akanian's discussion on research and knowledge development pertaining to homeless services and social work practice. Please join us again at In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree in continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.